Welcome to Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. This week, a major acquisition announcement that we missed last episode, a whole host of updates, and more. I'm Ryan Spilkin, and I'm joined today by Matthew Stubblefield and Brenda Burl. Matthew, Brenda, hello. Hello. Nice to see you both. <laughs> Always a pleasure. We are recording this episode on Halloween. Brenda is a scary witch with no hat. And Matthew and I are some scary bearded guys. <laughs> Ryan and I dressed as twins for Halloween. Uh, I was going to say this is different from everyday how. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's our normal dad. It's our normal dad look. It's what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works. All right, let's jump right into the news. Lots and lots and lots of release notes to sift through. Um, So Jira Core uh, and Jira Software uh, both have some new releases out. Um, Common to both, of course, um, being able to distribute the Jira server mobile app to managed devices. Um, And also a new check for um, the Atlassian troubleshooting and support tools plugin. Uh, There is now a check around garbage collection, checking to make sure you're using the recommended JVM startup parameters for explicit garbage collection. Um, I think that this will make my resident garbage collection guru very happy. Um, Anytime there's a performance issue, check the garbage collection. Uh, So there is now a check in the Atlassian um, troubleshooting and support tools plugin. Um, so that's common to both in Jira uh, core, a lot of small bug fixes, um, just a big, a, a big list of things that may or may not have affected your instance, but that are resolved in 8.5.0. In Jira software, there's again, a lot of different, um, a lot of bug fixes, things that are going to make things more navigable. Um, for instance, one that I tend to have a lot of tabs of different parts of Jira open at the same time. One of the bugs that's fixed is when you open a board on a software project, you might see boards from projects that are in different tabs. So they've kind of addressed some of the navigation around if you've got multiple tabs open, like I do. Um, Quick filtering a subtask in a board will hide its parent status in the swim lane. That bug has been fixed. Um, Lots of little just bug fixes, um, things that have to do with backlogs, epic fields, things that were not triggering event listeners, that sort of thing. A lot of things that are just really, you know, nice quality of life fixes uh, for that. Lots of big changes, though, in Jira Service Desk. Uh, So we're in 4.5, and the big thing is performance improvements. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of notable performance improvements. increases across the product. Um, Queues with SLAs, they're saying is now 10 times faster, adding a comment in the customer portal three times faster, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Overall response times cut by 20 to 90%. So big, big improvements. I feel like this is something that really hit the other products like eight months ago. And now they're catching up with service desk. So it's really nice to see these performance increases. And Mm -hmm. even though there isn't a gift to announce it, it's also worth noting that service desk 4.5 is the enterprise release. Yes. True. True that. Yes. 
and uh, also a number of bug fixes in in, in the release notes here, um, resolving some screens just being blank when opening some service desk uh, requests from the portal, um, customer notifications. So there's been a lot of work around events and things that get triggered when something happens. Um, some language fixes. Um, so when the system or profile language is Russian, the approval and decline buttons are missing. Um, lots of lots of little quality of life improvements going along with the big performance improvements for Jira Service Desk. So as always, we want to highlight uh, releases and what's going on because uh, it's helpful for you to know uh, what's come out in the last couple of weeks from Atlassian, whether the upgrade's really critical or not. The other reason that Jira 8.5 uh, is notable is, uh, uh, let's call it a, a human bug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> bit of a, a bit of a, a issue that happened with this release. Atlassian automatically incremented app compatibility in the marketplace for a bunch of Jira apps. I don't know if it was a hundred percent of them or exactly the details. And unfortunately, I don't have a story to link to in the SoundCloud description uh, because this the sort of the announcements and the discussion about it is on developers.atlassian.com. And uh, as I am not a developer. Uh, when I try to go to it, I don't actually have access to this page. Um, but it's, it's, it's become a well-known thing uh, that uh, Atlassian bumped a bunch of Jira apps to, to indicate that they are compatible with version 8.5 when that release came out uh, over the last week or so, even though those apps hadn't necessarily been tested against 8.5. So there's no actual guarantee of compatibility. Um, so if you are an app developer and you were not aware of this, be sure to check your app listing and either modify the version compatibility statement or, or get your apps tested. Make sure that they, they do run correctly against 8.5. For users, be aware that the compatibility listed on the marketplace for Jira Core, Jira Software 8.5 may be incorrect. Uh, as always, best practice is to test upgrades on staging before running them on production. Normally, the universal plugin manager protects you. It, it only shows versions of the app that are compatible with your current Jira instance. But if you have upgraded to Jira 8.5, UPM is going to show you a bunch of apps compatible with 8.5 that may not be. Now, for our part, Adaptivist has reviewed all of our listings. We had already tested all of our apps against 8.5. Uh, as always, you know, if you're one of our app users, you're good. Um, our, our stuff's trusted. We really keep on top of it. But uh, there's, what, like 4,000 apps in the marketplace now? Uh, just, just a couple. There's <laughs> a, a good chunk out there. So just be aware um, uh, and uh, you know, test on staging where possible. Um, differences between 8, 4, and 8, 5 hopefully don't mean you know, a lot of breaks or bugs or anything for your apps. But <laughs> An ounce of prevention, better than a pound of cure. Uh, continuing along with the uh, release notes train, um, Atlassian is pleased to announce Confluence 7.0.4, which is a bug fix release. Um, many, many, uh, many, there's like six, uh, many updates to Confluence. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a small point release. Um, expand macro and collapsible code block macros playing nice together, that sort of thing. Um, Epic links being displayed properly in insert Jira issue filter macros. Uh, just again, a lot of, of good little fixes for quality of life there. And Fluence. Conf Server 39654 
uh, the actual summary is almost a tongue twister. Expand, Expand macro collapses macro. collapsible code block. Expand macro collapses collapsible code block macro. Expand macro collapses collapsible code block macro. Expand macro collapses collapsible code block macro. Boom. <laughs> Matthew wins. Speaking of apps, we want to talk about Atlassian's acquisition of Code Barrel, um, but Code Barrel's not us. So we recorded a segment with Laura Hauser, the head of marketing at Adaptivist. Take a listen. Faithful listeners, as you know, Adaptivist Live isn't really live. And we recorded the last episode of our little show on October 13th, 14th, somewhere around there. And um, since that time, and our, our episode was posted on the 18th, and in that time, Atlassian dropped a major announcement on us that we'd, we didn't have on the last episode, and that was that they had acquired Code Barrel, the makers of a product called Automation for Jira. And that comes close to home because, as you may know, Adaptivist makes this little product called ScriptRunner. So, to discuss Adaptivist's thoughts on the topic. We've got Laura Hauser, the head of product marketing at Adaptivist. Laura, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful to have you on. So, Laura, on a personal level, my my first response was, "Oh gosh, <laughs> what did you think first? Uh, you know, to be perfectly honest, Ryan, my uh, first thought was good for them. Um, Code Barrel is a um, obviously a player in the ecosystem that I've known and worked with um, for years. Um, and watching them grow uh, in their infancy is, you know, kind of a two-person uh, mom and pop shop into um, a power player on the Alaskan marketplace uh, is really fulfilling. Um, and I think a testament to the ecosystem that we're in. Um, and the ability to take sort of, you know, innovative ideas and identifying customer need um, and bring it to the Atlassian marketplace in order to serve customers better. So um, I was very excited. And I think, um, you know, the, every team member over there that I've met has been, you know, absolutely lovely um, and really excited for them. Uh, and for Atlassian as well, you know, acquiring that functionality and the talent. Matthew, what did you think? Uh, hard to say it better than that. Um, I'm less familiar with them. I haven't met uh, the folks at Code Barrel or, or worked with them, but I feel like there's a, a strong um, design overlap between uh, what they were doing and the direction Atlassian's been going with their service desk automation, with the uh, the next gen Jira software boards uh, in cloud, the automation they're building in there. Like it, it just seems like there's a really good alignment there, and so I think it this is a, a pretty logical move. I think it uh, is going to give Atlassian not just some nice functionality because my assumption is that they'll fold this into the core products. I don't know if it'll be part of premium only or, or what in cloud, but uh, also gives them some good skills, right? Because uh, the the people are, are coming along as well, and that's even more valuable, I think, than the, the tech. So, uh, I mean, it, it just makes sense. Where do you think that we'll start to see this being rolled out first when they integrate it? Where Where does it pop up first? Well, anyone that has been paying attention to Atlassian in the news, uh, in the content they produce, uh, attended Summit or some of the events, knows that it's all about the cloud. Um, they definitely see the cloud as the future of their platform and really technology um, and the industry as a whole. So I think, you know, even reading the press release, it's pretty clear that this is a big play in moving some of these automation um, functionality sort of if this, then that um, type controls uh, to the cloud. 
We'll probably see some basic features roll out over server in DC. And again, this is just my uh, premonition, uh, no fact in that or, or nothing to back that up. Um, but I do think that this is very much for them about building out their cloud platform, um, which, you know, in my uh, opinion, is a good move for them. Yeah, I have to, I mean, definitely agree with that. It's very obvious they're going for cloud. Um, I'm not so sure we'll see much into the server product. Um, <laughs> we won't and, see anything uh, in the server product. <laughs> <laughs> seems, seems like, I mean, maybe. But uh, it does beg the question about Atlassian's long-term product strategy. Uh, you know, talk about automation, talking about, there's always that balance of uh, simplicity and power. Right, uh, and that's one of the things where automation for Jira, I feel, is is trying to straddle that. Um, Laura, where do you see this going long term? So, you know, automation has been a a buzzword and a hot topic for the industry for over a decade. I mean, probably um, much longer than that now. Uh, pretty much in in the news and everything that you're seeing in terms of innovative products coming to market. It's all really centered around automation, and it plays a crucial role in the software development lifecycle, um, as well as ITSM. You're seeing uh, DevOps pop up everywhere from marketing teams to operation teams. Um, and I think that this was a very smart move for Atlassian in starting to build in and incorporate more automation uh, functionality into their platform and products. Um, Jira customers have been, you know, wanting this for, for many years in the form of, you know, public Jira tickets, community postings. Um, and I think this shows a real strategic move towards um, really incorporating automation into their core um, value propositions uh, as, a, as a product. Well, this brings me back to my, to the, my initial feelings on it. The, uh, because I got to ask, ScriptRunner is automation, and this is also automation. What, is, what does the acquisition of automation for Jira mean for ScriptRunner? Absolutely. So I think that there's actually probably a misconception in the community in the market that ScriptRunner uh, and automation for Jira are completely competitive with each other. Um, actually, they're more complementary, especially for large organizations than competitive. There's definitely some overlap in functionality in that script runner and auto automation for Jira allow you to do similar things. Um, but in reality, we've seen, especially on the enterprise level, enterprises tend to have both. So they have automation for Jira to do simple automations uh, for users um, and folks that aren't necessarily your Jira admin. Where ScriptRunner is really brought in to do complex and advanced automations, um, customizations and integrations that allow you not only to automate between workflows, um, but create automations between different platforms. Um, and I think that's truly, you know, the power user is looking to kind of open up the hood of Jira and build in some of these um, really complex and deep customizations, whereas automation for Jira kind of simplifies some of those um, for a wider audience. So... For an example, if you want to run um, automations that need to ping a separate systems, maybe it's Salesforce, um, maybe it's Jenkins, maybe it's even Bitbucket, but you need to uh, connect it using a REST API or even ping a separate database, you can actually integrate Script Runner and automation for Jira to do so. Uh, we've actually had documentation um, for a while now about how you can actually use the products together. And what we found is, is that, you know, there's different audiences and different use cases for both products. Um, but if you use them together, you're truly able to capitalize and optimize automation across your entire Atlassian stack. 
um, which makes everybody happy um, and provides the, the control and the governance and the compliance um, that comes with ScriptRunner over uh, automation for Jira, which much more um, towards general users. Okay, so so there's some overlap, but you know we see in large enterprises ScriptRunner there. Would it would it be an oversimplification to say that you know automation for Jira uh, definitely has a, a place, a lot of value it provides, and you know we're going to see in the future is it still a separate product? Does it get rolled into Core Atlassian? You know, time will tell on that. Would it be fair to say ScriptRunner is kind of more of like the pro version uh, or like pro automation or it's like a, a higher level? How would, how would you just like sort of what's the tagline characteristic there in that differentiator? Definitely. Um, well, you got it, Matthew. When you think about it in terms of, um, you know, a, a product that brings automation um, to general users, ScriptRunner definitely empowers uh, organizations and enterprises uh, to provide more, you know, controls around uh, what people are doing and who can do them, more governance uh, around who's doing what, uh, and more compliance for highly regulated industries that really need to have, you know, the, the platform that houses their code um, under very strict control. So, you know, one way to look at it is sort of the enterprise version that requires some technical knowledge and know-how, um, you know, in complementary with a product uh, that allows more general users uh, the ability to do automations themselves. Laura Hauser, thank you so much for joining us today to discuss the Code Barrel acquisition. We'll see you around soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, guys. Um, and for everyone that's listening, we're very grateful for your listenership. Is that the way you say it? We call them our, um, our listeners, yeah. We'll be back again soon. <laughs> our viewers at home. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. And just to extend on from that, uh, as we uh, chatted with Laura about both automation for Jira uh, and ScriptRunner, my team has recently made some, some big additions to the ScriptRunner documentation. If you are a ScriptRunner for Jira user, you can go to scriptrunner.adaptivist.com and you will find a new tutorials section uh, in the docs. This is some training that uh, we used to have on Adaptivist Learn. I've now moved it for free to the ScriptRunner documentation. So right under getting started, third link down, tutorials. There is a script runner for beginners training. You don't need to know anything about programming. It's really targeted at uh, people who just want to get started using the built-in scripts and a lot of the powerful functionality that script runner has um, out of the box for you, even if you're not a groovy developer. So we'll link to that in the SoundCloud description. Find that training for free in our docs. So Matthew, what you're saying is free script runner training. If you've got an internet connection, you can learn. Whoa. And speaking of documentation, this is apparently our transition phrase of the day. Speaking of. Speaking of. Speaking of. Speaking of speaking documentation. Of. <laughs> uh, so portfolio for Jira 3.13 is out. Uh, last podcast, 3.12 was out. We're going to, maybe this is the new trend. Just like Bitbucket was six months ago, every podcast will have a, a, a small portfolio, portfolio release. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll see. No, no, um, no gifts from the portfolio team. They, uh, the gift game is not where Bitbuckets was, but that's okay. Uh, portfolio, 3.13. Uh, a few small uh, filtering improvements. And uh, the one I think is particularly nice is uh, a review changes dialogue. Uh, back in the day on uh, Portfolio, uh, you would have this box that popped up that just sort of told you, there's going to be a change. <laughs> and you decided at that point oh, hey. to tell you what the change was, just like there's going to be a change. Uh, much more robust now. So nice to see that. 
Uh, also wanted to mention that uh, Adaptivist is currently in the progress of updating our training uh, through, uh, you know, we've got a, a range of Adaptivist training that we deliver uh, for customers and we make videos of it, things like that. 3.13 happens to be the, the version that we are updating to. So if you are looking for training on the latest version of Portfolio, let us know. All right. So that's it for this week, but it occurs to us that there's a lot of content out there that that we really think would be interesting for our listeners to engage with and, and we want to talk about, but we find that we can't give you a solid 20 minutes, solid 20, 25 minutes, and, and still hit everything we'd like to. So we were thinking about different ways to introduce additional topics to the Adaptivist Live. Does this mean a second podcast? Does this mean an every other week kind of thing? I don't know. Matthew, what should we do? Yeah, so we use Trello to plan this podcast, and we've got you know a list that says articles. We pull content together from the last two weeks. And at this point, we've got like six articles uh, that we think are really interesting to talk about, but they're not release note update. They're, they're not like market-breaking stuff. And we don't want to take an hour of your time. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I do, but I don't, so. also don't. I know. <laughs> so yeah, we've, we've sort of been toying with the idea of, of every once in a while, maybe not every week, but every once in a while we, we do uh, an off-week podcast that's not release notes. It's just you know, blog posts that uh, we found from Atlassian or from other organizations that are interesting, are helpful. Uh, but yeah, we, we're, uh, we're toying with the idea. So if you've got some thoughts, if this is the thing you're interested in, if you just really like hearing Ryan and I banter that much, uh, hit us up on social media at Adaptivist. Email us at learnatadaptivist.com. Uh, we'd, we'd love to know your, your thoughts on, do you think that adds value? for you yeah would you listen uh, to it you would enjoy would you listen to another episode from us every once in a while yeah non-release note non-update just stay you know it's like i've got uh three articles here that kind of inform recruitment and team structuring and uh and how best to to pull your teams together they can be truly effective yeah Uh, that sounds like an interesting conversation to have but uh it takes takes some time so so please let us know let us know we want to hear from you and if you come across an article that you think we should be covering and we haven't yet, we also want to know about that. So get in touch. All right. And that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. We always appreciate it when you like and share our podcast wherever podcasts are liked and shared. As Matthew mentioned, get in touch with us on social media at Adaptivist. And everyone have a happy Halloween. <laughs> But because you're hearing this after Halloween, we can't. <laughs> so just just remember it and do it next year. Yeah. Make sure next year you have the happiest. I thought that was great. That was good. That's We'll just keep it at that. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time on Adaptivist Live. The seven minutes is okay, too, but six is better. Well, I'm going to give you so much gold, it'll be hard for you to tell, but um, no, brief is better for me. <laughs> <laughs>